0: Listener production.
1: Okay, are you recording?
0: New day rocks. New day rocks.
2: New day rocks. And Xavier Woods paying dividends. Biggie with King. a big ending. And
0: New Day retains the gold. New Day
3: rocks. Can you feel the power? <laughs> I hope so. I hope you can feel the power. Welcome along to a very special edition of the Howie Games. Episode 175, part A, featuring wrestling rock stars, The New Day.
0: Kofi back to his feet, ducks underneath, there it is! Kofi connects, hook of the leg with trouble in paradise, and New Day retained. Here are your winners and still,
3: the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, the The New Day are a trio of the most athletic, entertaining dudes you could ever meet. The three are Kofi Kingston, Big E and Xavier Woods. And between them, these men have over 4 million Instagram followers, over 4.6 million people on Twitter love their work. People absolutely go bonkers for these men we were approached to have them on the show. And to be fair, I know very little about wrestling, very little. So I put it to the Brains Trust, Dars, MJ and Tommy, and the general consensus, eh, we might as well say yes, might as well have a crack. And geez, I'm glad we did. The boys powered into the studio, full of smiles and good vibes, and spent the next hour or so filling me full of joy with their passion for what they do, their messaging about taking on life, their love for each other, and their sizzle. These athletes have sizzle with a capital S. So many lost and
0: left behind. And no one seemed to care. Those who should seems like they're blind. Pretending they're not there. Can't they see they hold the key? Could make things better if they try. Oh, my Jaja, tell me why. Won't they open up their eyes?
3: You can watch The New Day on Binge. Trust me, you should. Binge is the new streaming home of WWE in Australia. All the WWE, you can see it on Binge. And after this, even if you have never watched wrestling before, you might be taking a look. Be uplifted with Kofi, E and Xavier. The New Day.
0: Kofi's legal. Big E, Kofi Kingston. The Midnight Hour. Champs
1: may steal it, and the s- clock has struck midnight for So when you search and then you find, and know just where to go, and thoughts that
0: once used to cloud your mind, you see clearly and now you know, mystery, what is to be revealed in King Selassie. I. Come on, children, try with me, we want to reach Mount Zion. I.
3: Welcome to the Howie Games. Three of the most entertaining athletes on the planet, I reckon. We've got Kofi Kingston. And Kingston, look at this!
2: Trouble in paradise! Hey. Off the destruction! Kingston! Oh, Kingston! Kingston wins the title!
3: we got the Big E. Big E's the
2: legal man! Big oh, E's go. the legal man!
3: Big ending! And we got Xavier Woods. Woods oh, from the top rope. Oh, that is a I long go. way to go. Oh! Yeah. The New Day taking wrestling to a whole nother level. I'll be honest, boys, this is like nothing I've ever done on this show. It awesome. is great to see you. Kofi, we'll start with you. How are you going, yeah,
1: mate? Uh, so far, so good, man. You know, we've been uh, in Australia now for how? Four days? Five days? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it seems like a long time, but it's been awesome. Every day has been cool. Uh, the people have been so uh, welcoming, as they always are when we come to Australia. So we're just uh, very happy to be here.
3: Big E, I can see why they call you, but like, have a look at the size of this man that <laughs> you guys right, go huge. to work with. That's, that's, right. that's like, yeah, yeah. I don't know how big those biceps are, but it's nice to have you here, mate. How are you enjoying Australia?
0: I appreciate it. Thank you. I have a very fragile ego, so Bro. thank you for buttering me up. Uh, okay. <laughs> appreciate it. Well, there's not uh,
3: many men that come in this studio with bigger arms than me, but yeah. I think you've got me covered, to be fair.
0: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, like, like Cove said, man, it's been amazing to be here. Uh, we also, so uh, Woodsy got in Friday, I got in Saturday, Cove got in Sunday. But Saturday, uh, we went to Karen's Diner, uh, and that was a lot of fun. And Sydney, just being insulted, that's the first time. I've, I've always wanted to go, just one time, go to one of those restaurants where they just insult yeah. you. The service is terrible, so that was fun. Uh, but the, the people here, have honestly, they've just been lovely. Uh, kind of fell in love with Sydney, just a beautiful town. Oh, I wish we had more time here in Melbourne, but, uh, but uh, it's been great so far.
3: And I'm going to go with Woodsy since they called you Woodsy. Mm, is Woodsy okay? Yeah, it's perfect. I was going to go with X-Man, but we'll go with Woodsy. You look Eww. like my type of man. you got your board shorts on. You look relaxed. Mm-hmm. How are you enjoying your Australian tour?
2: I'm having a blast. The I, fact that the sun is shining and it feels so good to be outside. Everybody's so happy. That's yeah. the biggest thing that we've noticed was walking around town. People are smiling and they'll nod to you if you nod to them and they'll speak to you if you speak to them. Like, oh, this is... <laughs> This is how a city should be. It's all walkable. There's delicious food everywhere. It's It's been awesome.
3: Well, that's lovely to hear. I've got so many questions for you, folks, yeah. because your field endeavor is one that I don't have a great deal of expertise in, but- I'd like to get your backgrounds first Kofi if we, if we start with you yeah. you're actually out of Africa originally born in Ghana yeah that's right yeah, tell me yeah, that so yeah, how, yeah. how did yeah. you get
1: from Ghana to America uh, uh, I think my we took a plane right you know? okay. <laughs> so, uh, okay. I can see why <laughs> you fit in Australia it. because <laughs> you're obviously <laughs> smart ass as <laughs> you black so <stadium. laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. I was very young I don't actually remember you know right. but, um, you, and so where yeah. did your family settle so, uh, so we uh, I came to the United States when I was about like a year or two old right. um, and so we (laughs) kind of had a roundabout trip went from uh the illinois area where my parents went to school at the university of illinois um with uh degrees in library science um my mom has a doctorate degree in anthropology we went from illinois to new orleans they were working at northeastern and loyola there Uh, we went from new orleans up to the boston area where they worked at harvard my mom did and then my dad at northeastern and then at boston college so um yeah um it's it's been quite the uh, quite the quite the ride, you know. But um, somewhere along the way, I became a huge wrestling fan. How? yeah,
3: like watching it on telly? I, so
1: everyone, yeah, I feel yeah, I feel like everyone has a story where they remember like, oh, this is when I knew I was gonna be like a wrestling fan forever. I don't have one of those. I just feel like it's always been a part of my life, and um, I've always been into wrestling even before like. So we have what's called like the Attitude Era in the early '90s. Wrestling really blew up with Stone Cold Steve Austin yeah. and Rock and all these guys, Triple H. Um, <laughs> but I remember being kind of upset because. Wrestling Wrestling was my thing, you know, and then all of a sudden we go to high school and everyone was giving each other like stone cold stunners in the hallway and doing all these moves. I'm like, no, you guys didn't think wrestling was cool until these guys were doing this is mine, you know, <laughs> but it just speaks to how infectious uh, WWE is, you know, how captivating it is and how captivating it's been for so long. Um, we are the longest running episodic television show in the history of the world. That's amazing. So Raw and SmackDown and this me like we don't have any off seasons, you know, like uh, it's just non uh, ongoing, you know, nonstop. And the reason that we're able to do that is because um, number one, like the fans and their support, but um, the ability to tell great stories in the ring. You know, you see a guy like myself going up against a guy like almost who is seven feet plus. You have the story tell, tell story of David and Goliath, and yeah. how are we going to tell that story? Who's going to win? What are the who's the protagonist? Who's the antagonist? And um, we're able to just like tell stories that are compelling and and that's the why we're able to like you know do what we do and and go all over the world you know here we are in Australia now and for the people who might not be WWE fans you can uh, watch us on binge you know all of our content is going to be on binge going forward and um we're we're excited about it premium live events and raw and smackdown and even like our library of all the history if you want to get caught up on all the latest uh, WWE ongoing sagas and scenarios and storylines so um yeah it's 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 been a wild ride but again it's a testament to how interesting and how compelling a product uh, the WWE is
3: and how professional you guys are you're plugging the it's on binge you've done my job for me yes, which sir. is perfectly on, so i want to <laughs> know i want to know how you get into it you, you talk about school so would you Is this something you do at school? Like in Australia, here we don't really at school have wrestling teams, but but I know it's a big thing in the states. Is that sort of how you get into it? For all those that wanted to become a professional wrestler, do you start <laughs> wrestling on mats at school?
2: Uh, I did. Okay. So in my head, I knew I wanted to be a wrestler. Very similar to Kofi, it's just kind of always been in my mind. I feel like it's been in my blood. And so I realized in seventh grade, I said, well, if I want to do this as a job, I should probably do some form of it. At all. Seventh grade? Yeah. Really? So I started uh, amateur wrestling and then all the way through middle school, high school, uh, played football, ran track, did as many things as I could because it's very important that you are as an athlete when you're jumping into wrestling. Um, because when you first enter wrestling school, it's gonna be really hard for you if you haven't you know, been working out uh, with weights, cardio, things like that, or have any sort of base. Um, so I definitely did as much as I could do because uh, I was laughed at a lot when I said I wanted to be a pro wrestler. I was like the smallest kid in class a lot of the time. Uh, and we are in a land of giants. So like yeah. he said, a guy almost seven foot plus, he is enormous. That's why I'm glad he's on our team, yeah. <laughs> but um, it's one of those things where you have to take in so many factors, where it's, uh, you know, size, speed, strength, charisma, presence, all of those things are, are what makes a fantastic WWE superstar. So to be able to kind of tap into those things is is really important. I would say wrestling is probably the best base for pro wrestling.
3: And so wrestling in high school, forgive my ignorance, are you going tournaments against other schools like how, how's it work as a as a year seven year eight kid
2: yeah so you'll you'll do tournaments against other schools just like that so you'll go to tournaments on the weekends where there's a bunch of kids uh not affiliated with schools and you wrestle against each other but when you get to high school you do things like dual meets so a, a high school might wrestle against another high school so everybody on the team will wrestle the person who they're lined up against so the 103 pounder the 171 pounder and then you kind of but,
3: but you're not diving off the ropes at this stage this no, is like greco-roman no, no, no. type this is yeah you're okay. wearing a
2: singlet you got your wrestling shoes on you got a little ankle band you're green or red it's not pro wrestling at all okay. but that's that's one of the things that kind of punched me in the face when i started it because i in my head i didn't know the difference at the time so you were coming off the ropes and you yeah stand, you I, I, I walk into the wrestling room and everyone's just dripping sweat and it's this hot little like microwave of a room i'm like what is this i'm trying to jump off the top rope and hit people with chairs and they're like this is definitely not that. and <laughs> You are not old enough to do that, but you can start doing this if you want to. And so uh, that was a little bit of a culture shock, but you get adjusted pretty quick.
3: I, I want to follow the journey through how you go to there, to what you're doing professionally, but Big E, your powerlifting. So footy in college and then powerlifting... I was looking at some of your numbers and thinking about what I do on the bench press and it was frightening what you do. So powerlifting, tell me about it and tell me about the weights, the bench press, the squat, et cetera, some big, big numbers we're talking here.
0: Yeah. So I started lifting weights early in life. Uh, I started formally. I learned to actually train properly when I was 12. But I remember my dad got me some sand weights. I used to just work out in the garage. I used to just try to do 100 curls. I remember I was probably about like nine, 10 years old. And I remember on Saturdays, I would watch my Saturday morning cartoons. And then as soon as they went to commercial break, I would run to the garage, try to do as many curls as I could, and then run back to Isn't watch- In the next- ad <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I tried to do a hundred curls a day. That was, that was how, but when I was 12, I first started lifting and I just caught the bug. And I really just got strong quickly. And uh, my dad was always very strong. So it's just, genetics helped. But um, it wasn't really... I didn't start competing in powerlifting until I got signed by WWE. Right. And we were all training. We've all trained at John Cena's gym, um, which is actually about 15 minutes from where I live now. And Rob McIntyre is his like lifelong friend, uh, the, the best friend. They grew up uh, together, and he trained so many of us. Brilliant trainer. And uh, still, like Kofi still uses Rob. Uh, he developed an app and whatnot. But anyways... I was training with Rob for a little bit, and he kind of pulled me aside and said, hey, is, some, is powerlifting something you might want to try? And I really liked the idea. It, it, uh, I thought it would help give me an identity uh, with wrestling as well while I was training for, with WWE. So uh, when I was, uh, I think, 20, about 24, 25 years old, um, that's when I started doing the powerlifting training. And I realized with Rob very quickly, I, I was used to training. I used to lift six days a week at one point when I was like very early on, Paired that down to five. Um, But then with him, I was only lifting about three days a week and that was when I was at my very strongest and for all three of those days, we would have like, you know, there would be the bench day so we would start with bench and there'd be a bunch of uh, ancillary exercises around that and squat and deadlift so you obviously for for people who know anything about powerlifting those are the three lifts squat bench and uh, and deadlift and uh, yeah so for me I just got strong quickly, Uh, I competed my first year in the 275 pound division. I uh, broke some Florida state records and then I qualified for nationals the next year in Pennsylvania. And I ended up winning a national title at a uh, super heavyweight wow. and got my weight up to about 300 pounds. But yeah, man, I just um, got a lot stronger. <coughs> I learned, learned a low bar squat and my best numbers are a 750 squat. So uh, hang on, oh,
3: we got to put this into kilos. Yeah, um, into in kilos, kilos I got to do That's, that, that's times to
0: 2.2 divided by 200. Uh, that's, yeah, so it'd be that's
3: nearly 300.
0: Yeah. They'd, over, yeah, they'd be over, yeah, would be over three.
3: On, on a yes. squat.
0: Yeah, squatting seven, this is raw. <laughs> <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is, so, yeah. I struggle
3: with the bar, big man, so. <laughs> I, I get it,
0: this is this is raw, this is drug tested as yep. well. Um, but seven seven 750 s- pounds squat, yep. uh, I've deadlifted 806 pounds, that's my best deadlift, <laughs> Uh, and also my best bench press, which actually was pretty cool, because um we actually filmed that at Cena's gym, and he promised me, we were actually, this Woods and I were training, in the gym at the time and this was we were in fcw i was a nobody no one knew who i was or anything and i remember him saying if you hit this lift which would have been it's my lifetime pr the best bench i've ever had yeah. if you hit this lift i'll make sure it's in the documentary and the documentary they were doing was john cena versus the rock it was billed as Huge. a first time ever at wrestlemania this whole video package and uh he was true to his word. so i hit hit the 575 pound bench and the cool thing is, you know, you can see it online on YouTube or whatnot. But, yeah. A
3: 575-pound 5, uh, bench. No, I, uh, so 260. So for those that go to the gym, the bar's 20. <laughs> so uh, that's 620 plates on either side of the bar. Man. So it's a decent
0: amount of weight. Oh, a, decent so amount of a decent amount of weight. Amount of weight. If, if you it.
2: watch the video, right. you can see all of us because we were all there on the same day. And we're just freaking out because it's, <laughs> it's crazy to hear, right? Yeah. When you see it. It's unbelievable, wow. and then the, the just the energy in the room because there's probably what twenty of us, yeah, in there, and it's it's great. I highly recommend you go and watch it. Oh, I'm going
3: to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll put some audio in here. <laughs> okay, guys, we have a uh,
2: number
0: one gym record attempt. This is a 575 raw bench that that
1: puts him in a very elite class with uh, with the world actually. So let's hope he gets it. Here
0: we go. One here one.
3: Just one more on powerlifting. Um, I'm I'm fascinated by what athletes do to prepare. What type of calorie intake are you requiring to do to be able to lift at that size?
0: Yeah, that was the biggest like thing for me was making sure to get the proper calories in. So I like I eat a decent amount now, but then to get my I had to get a lot stronger. Uh, and for me that just meant like flooding my body with calories. So it's very difficult for me to put weight on and uh, size on eating clean. So I remember at one point, like Rob had me eating a whole DiGiorno's pizza every every day. So I was just trying to get as many calories. and it sounds delightful. I mean, they're I like I like DiGiorno's pizza. You yeah. know, if you want to hit me, you know, those <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's uh. But when you're when you're force feeding yourself like that, it's really not pleasant. It wasn't it wasn't enjoyable. But for me to go from about I was about two hundred seventy five pounds and at my strongest, at one I at my very heaviest, I was three hundred seventeen pounds. So I I gained a lot of weight. Right now I'm around. 250 255 so that's another 60 pounds so for me it was just really about i had to eat every two hours so i was having i'd eat seven meals a day two of those would be shakes but you know after my workouts i would have uh like a pint of briars ice cream and 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 go (laughs) through about uh half that uh every post-workout because it was just about getting the calories in and uh that's the cool thing is like just learning about other power lifters and guys and strongmen and a lot of them are like that. They're very disciplined as athletes, and you think disciplined athletes means eating clean and eating the right things, but to get those calories in, often you're having to do things like eat ice cream or
3: whole pizzas. All all the kids that listen to this show have finally found their sport. (laughs) (laughs) Back to the new day shortly next week on the show, a man with one of the most famous names in Australian boxing, Zoo, Father, a multiple world champion. Son Tim is very much his own man, but has similar dreams of world domination. He is tough, is Tim. He learnt to be tough from a very early age. There's a story someone told me about you early days as a young fella, and we'll get to your upbringing a bit later, but you came second in cross-country? Yeah, year three. I thought it might have been like year seven, year three. No, year three. Tell me about that. Came second in year three and then... um, I came first ever since that. Right. My dad said losing is not an option. Right. So so you go home and report, oh, dad, I got the, what's, uh, bl- blue's the win, red's the second. i told him I lost. Right. You it lost. Was, you can come seeking. you lost. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't. Hey, dad, I came second. Right. Dad, I lost. You said that in grade three. Yeah. <laughs> oh, heavens <laughs> above. <laughs> I had the old man, what did he say, like get up and start running? Yeah, you start running. Right. Yeah. So did you as a kid get up and start running? Yeah, you know, so. What what time were you running? Five five sixteen was my wake up call every morning. At what age? Year four. And what would you do in grade four when you got up at five fifteen? I'd go for a run. Right. How far running? Oh I, I didn't have back then No. But um, like a five minute run, a ten minute run, a half hour No, run? it was it was a good run, that's right. for sure. I remember it was it was a run with him. Right oh, with your dad? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And then you smoked the cross country ever after that. Just everyone then. <laughs> well, there's a lesson we learned. <laughs> That is Tim Zoo. next up on the show. All righty, let's get back to the new day.
1: You mentioned <laughs>
3: wrestling school. I, I, you can explain it to us, Cove. Yeah. So h- how do you go from being a kid at school, as you guys were, the, into wrestling but not professional wrestling, like NFL draft, you know, baseball, yeah. you got spring training, a draft in the NBA. H- how do you, uh, as a kid and a, and a student, make your way into the pathway to become a professional wrestler you
1: know I think the great thing about uh, WWE and um, and its superstars is that literally everybody has a completely different path okay completely different so for me it was um, you know I was wrestling on the independent scene you know non-televised very minor league. Um, so that's and, just
3: out in, in a hall in front of people, yeah, Yeah, yeah,
1: and, and we actually had a tryout at our school. So this was kind of unheard of at the time, but we had to put posters and everything up all over the towns, and we were looking for uh, people who were like 6'3", 220, none of which were at the school at the time. Okay. None <laughs> of us had that. that <laughs> the, so now we're like, man, we come to practice every day, you know what I mean? And this is our dream. We're going to have a tryout at our school. This is awesome, and they're wanting us to recruit like everybody else who's, who's not here so uh, we ended up having that tryout and um, we had about like 10 different talent scouts there um, name drop a little bit you know Ricky the Dragon Steamboat was there Steve Curran was there uh, Nova who wrestled as Simon Dean was mm-hmm. there Mike Bucci um, uh, Tim Horner um, was there from uh, the Midnight Express or Lightning Express. So we, we had a whole bunch of different, Arn Anderson was there too, you know, a bunch of different talent scouts there. Um, and we probably had about maybe 50 talent from the Northeast of America, you know, New York, New Hampshire, uh, Massachusetts, all that. And uh, so at the time, I was playing a Jamaican character, Kofi Kingston from Kingston, Jamaica. Where (laughs) you from? Right near the beach, boy. You know, and 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 I had never been to Jamaica. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So um, it was. Do you know anything about cricket? No <laughs> Okay. Well, you're, I, l- I mean a little bit We, we went to uh, Mumbai we, uh, okay. we swung the uh, Do you call it a bat? Yes Okay but good But you're not sounding <laughs> When
3: you're saying Is <laughs> you know, it a bat? But, yeah
1: Yeah you know So we know a little bit But not not much And at that time Certainly nothing right. But um, you know So uh, we had the tryout And I ended up uh, You know having a match And at the time I was a bad guy Didn't know what I was doing You know um, And uh, had my match It was okay Sat back down They called a couple people up And they said uh, Kofi can you be a good guy? I'm like yeah sure Go up, have a second match. Okay, sit back down. Uh, a couple more people go, then they call me back up for a third time. There were some people that they hadn't even gone once, so I knew that they were looking at me, you know. Um, Why? But Why do you reckon they were looking at me? Because, of, so, so there they there'd never been like a Jamaican superstar before, or happy-go-lucky, you know, uh, pseudo-athletic, handsome young man like myself. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they, they, they just liked what they saw. Right. You know, much I like you that. were feeling when I first walked yeah. in. You liked what you saw. You uh, know? Absolutely. You had si- similar vibes, you know. But, and um, lacking confidence obviously yeah, didn't hurt you. Know, you. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. But it, it, was a, it was a cool scenario. So after that tryout, um, they told me that they were looking at me me and then I got a call like a couple days later and they said they were going to hire me. So that was my story, you know, and again, it was like right place, right time. At the time, um, I was working full time out of college in a corporate setting where I'd work my nine hour day. And then what, I, what were you doing? So I was, uh, I graduated with a degree in advertising and um, <laughs> I worked for the Staples Corporation. Did huh? they, You have Staples over here, like the business uh, or office supplies superstore. Um, So we were responsible for like the 900-page like buyers guys that would go out. You'd have like chairs in there and panels and you know thumbtacks and (laughs) so like. And and I I always preface it by saying like some people love some people love that stuff. Absolutely. For me, it just it wasn't gonna work. Like this could not be the rest of my life. So um, when I got that call, they told me I was gonna make it. I I, or I, I was gonna be hired called up my boss right away and said, I'm out. You know what I mean? Yeah, This is my two weeks. I'm out of here. And then um, we drove down to Atlanta where the developmental territory was at the time. So that was my story. And that was kind of like how you would think that it would go where like you have a tryout scenario. Yep. Um, but a lot of people have have different stories, you know, different people from athletic backgrounds and things of that nature. So I mean, like you guys... <laughs> You guys have different stories too, right? Yeah. So, so
2: what about yeah. you, Woodsy? Yeah. So uh, I was wrestling on The Independent, so I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. Yep. So different region of the of the US, and it's, it's the South where there's wrestling literally in every town around because we love it down so, there.
3: So it, it's uh, like town hall and people packing, the locals yeah, go. Yeah,
2: constantly. So to the point where my trainer, we would go to a town where we're having a show and throughout the day, we'd get in our gear and we get in some sort of altercation on Main Street or at like a drugstore or something. The referee would come and pull us apart. If you guys want to fight each other, you're going to meet at this place at 8 o'clock tonight. And that's how we'd bring people into the shows.
3: So a show like that, sorry to interrupt
2: mm-hmm. you, um... Like what? What are you getting paid if you don't mind me asking? At, at that level of wrestling, most of the time, like either nothing or maybe twenty bucks. Twenty bucks, maybe okay. a hot dog and hot, a coke. Hot dog and a handshake. Yeah. Hot <laughs> dog and a handshake. So, so I was working at a daycare at the time. Um, I started daycare. Yeah, yeah. Oh, kids. Yeah. So I have a degree in educational psychology. Oh, kids that, would have loved you. My focus. It's such a good time.
3: Educational psychology. Yeah.
2: Um, so I uh, started training right out of high school and was doing that stuff on the independent scene for, for the summer. And then I went to college in another state and then found a school up there. And I was wrestling Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, and then driving back to school for class on Monday, then wrestling again Tuesday night. So
3: With an eye on becoming professional because you just loved
2: what it was. I, I, I wanted to become a professional. My okay. goal was to get a, a, a deal before I graduated college. And I was very lucky to get that uh, at, at another place, ended up leaving that place and trying to come to WWE. But in the, in the interim, before I got my, my, my contract, I actually found out where the developmental territory was for WWE and I wanted a job there. And so I asked my teachers, I said, hey, can I, if I miss class tomorrow to try to go get a wrestling job, is that okay? And they're like, "Go go live your dream. So I drive up to to McDonough, Georgia, and I find the building, I walk in, and you know how in a movie when you walk into a party that you're not supposed to be at, there's a record scratch? Yeah. That's what happened. Right. And so, (laughs) oddly enough, Kofi is in the ring training. And I'm in my suit. I've got my folder with uh, my resume, cover letter, a DVD with, uh, you remember LightScribe DVDs? Yeah, yeah. My image on the front, my phone (laughs) number, my email, uh, a bunch of matches on there, business card. And I just wanted to come and drop my stuff off to see if I could get a job. Um, And so the next day after I talked to them, they're like, yeah, sure, you can come back next week. I find out the next morning, my friend texts me. He said, what did you do? What are you talking about? said, WWE's pulling out of Deep South. They're not gonna exist anymore. And I was like, I just had my big break. They told me I could come in. So fast forward a little bit further, I find out where the new place is. It's down in Florida. So I drive down to Florida. I search the town for the whole day, eventually find the building. I walk in again, record scratch. And who's in the ring? Kofi. So, middle of yeah. again. so yeah. he's seeing me just come in and just throw my stuff at them because I want a job so bad. And so, like he said, everybody's got a different path. Like Kofi had a tryout at his school. Like I was going to them to like f- essentially force my way in the door. Because, um, again, I'm, I'm not 6'2". I'm not 300 pounds. So I'm not necessarily the person that is going to get picked out of a crowd to come and be a wrestler. Um, but my parents were very adamant in telling me that if there's something that I want in life, like, no one's going to give it to me. I have to go get it myself. And if I don't get it myself, I'm the one to blame. So in my head, it said, I have to do everything that I can to get this job. And if I don't, okay, maybe it didn't work out. It wasn't for me, but I'm going to make sure that when I'm an old man, I look in the mirror, I say, I did everything that I could to achieve the goal that I wanted. Um, hmm. And so that was kind of my story. I, I bounced around wrestling at a lot of different places for a while and eventually got picked up by WWE in uh, 2010.
3: So what, what the the day that you got your break, mm. do you get a phone call? Yes. Does someone ring you? To yes. Tell me about that.
2: Uh, so I got a phone call. Uh, I was in a CVS, which is a, like a drugstore, yeah. you know, and uh, I, I see, I don't recognize the number, but the area code 203. So I'll automatically freak out. What's happening? What's happening? And they say, yeah, we want to, we want to offer you a contract to come down and, you know, be, be a part of the crew. And I'm, freaking out in this place i run outside of yes uh, calling on my friends uh so that was legit like one of the happiest moments of my life and uh then i went home i packed my stuff and i moved down to florida and, and now we're here talking to you
3: so so you move we'll, we'll go to you now biggie so so you get signed up right and then what what type of training, instruction, development do you receive before they put you out in front of the bright lights and, and you become a wrestling star? So ha- how, what's the next progression? The boys have explained how they get to being signed. Then what happens? Is there a training process from there? Or what, what are you blokes laughing at? What, what's going on?
0: Yeah. Well, they're laughing because typically over the last several years, we've, we've been together for a long time now. We formed in 2014, they're laughing because they always tell their stories and they have these great incredible stories of always wanting to do this. They have yeah. been passionate about this since they were little kids. They've busted their ass for years and years to finally get to the position like so many doors being, you know, closed and slammed in, in, in their faces. And, uh, we always, they always go first and tell these heartwarming stories and I go last and I'm the meathead who was just offered a job and said, I guess I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> that was me. Um, and I grew up a fan, but I, I, just, um, it never occurred to me that this is okay. something I could do. Um, so I played football at Iowa. I had a bunch of knee injuries. I tore in two and a half years. I tore my left ACL, tore my right ACL, uh, broke my right patella, tore my right patella tendon and tore my left pec. And It's uh, a big pick, too. To yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: yes.
0: a,
3: what what yes. position did you play
0: in footy? I was actually a defensive tackle, believe okay. it or not. A little yep. sh- very short for the position, but yep. that's what I played. Um, and anyways, it just never occurred to me that this is something that you could do. And uh, I just knew someone who knew someone who knew someone at Iowa, uh, with, so, who knew someone with WWE while I was at Iowa. So um, there was a man named Mike Doherty who was connected with the Iowa wrestling program. And because amateur wrestling is such a great base and all three of us were amateur wrestlers uh, in grade school. I was actually a state champion. No big deal. Uh, <laughs> but uh, my, it's in Florida though. So it kind of gets, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of people who don't, really don't know uh, amateur wrestling. Florida doesn't have the best reputation for amateur wrestling. But anyways, um, so for me, my story was really just lucking into this job. So that that's why they laugh is because of that. So I, I lucked into it, but I really found a passion for it very early. And so going back to your question of how we train. So I came in with zero experience. My only experience was the one-week tryout I did at FCW in Tampa under the WWE umbrella. So I had no idea what I was doing. So I get there and at the time, I, I got signed in August of 2009 and the head trainer uh, is uh, Dr. Tom uh, Pritchard. Um, he's a, uh, what you call yeah, wrestling legend. Yeah, right? yeah, I mean, yeah. He's sure. been around for a yeah, long yeah, time. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was him, uh, Norman Smiley, who I grew up watching, uh, I remember Billy Kidman was down. He'd come back and forth, um, and then at some point later, uh, Joey Mercury came in. But so for me, you know, those two, Kofi and Woods, they came in with a much better base and understanding of what they were doing in the ring. Uh, if anything, maybe some fine tuning or learning how to to wrestle under the WWE umbrella. So for them, they came in with a lot of tools already. For me, it was really building from the ground up. So uh, we would train on Mondays and Tuesdays for about three hours a day. And I was just really, it was about hammering home the basics. So simple things like front rolls, uh, learning to run the ropes. And I know it, like a lot of what we do for people looks easy, but you would be floored. There are so many guys who come from, I've seen pro bodybuilders. Mm-hmm. I've seen uh, like people who played rugby internationally for years, people from all kinds of incredible athletic backgrounds who come in to do a tryout. And they don't last. They can't make it because hitting the ropes looks easy, but you you do that for what 10 minutes and you realize your your ribs are all beat up. Okay. Your back sore. It you humbles, don't people dude. don't understand like yeah. that that chews you up. And a lot of people can't make it. That so you do that, running the ropes, uh, learning how to take a bump correctly, which is falling down and hitting the mat learning to tuck your chin uh, and take care of your yourself so you don't get hurt, so you don't give yourself a, a concussion. So it was a lot of those things of just drilling the basics over and over and over again. So that was what I I did definitely for the first year or so was just working on fundamentals on a regular basis. So we did that Monday and Tuesday, for three hours a day. Wednesday would be promo class. And if anyone knows wrestling whatsoever, you know the name Dusty Rhodes. Dusty yep. Rhodes is, is a legend. Uh, and uh, a late, the late, great Dusty Rhodes, uh, he passed away several years ago. Uh, rest in peace to Dusty. But Dusty was the man at the time who really ran creative for FCW. So, uh, and, and again, I don't really fully explain FCW. So FCW, Florida Championship Wrestling, is the minor league system, or was at the time, yep. for WWE. So if he got signed, everyone had to go down to Tampa trained at FCW with the hopes of eventually getting called up. So it's like the the minors
3: and then you're trying to step up to the majors. Exactly.
0: So Dusty was in charge of, we we would have promo class. So for a couple hours, every Wednesday, we would, uh, you know, kind of prepare a a monologue or a skit or whatever it was. And you would stand up there in front of your peers and you would cut what we call a promo. (laughs) And afterwards, Dusty would give you his criticisms and he would tell you, work on that. Uh, change this. So,
3: so what type of thing? So, so ostensibly now now you're becoming an actor as well as an athlete. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you're delivering a monologue and what, what are you saying, more vibrancy here or less of this. Or how, how's that process work to get the entertainment down, Pat?
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess it's, it's hard to really say because <laughs> yeah. it's so—what we do is so subjective, yeah. so it's hard to know what makes—I feel like you just know what a good promo is when you hear it.
2: Yeah, a yeah. lot of it is based on just your presence and your character, and can this be interesting? So it might not be a good promo. The words might not be good. The, the concept might not be good, but the character— might be great. So it'll tell you, oh, yeah. oh, this this character that we did something with a guy, uh, the humongous hobo. <laughs> so like that character might go, oh, that's that's great. It's catchy. You laughed, cool. Now let's develop that for the next three months and see if there's anything there. See if okay. it's got legs. And if it doesn't, cool. Try something else, because it's developmental. You're developing your character. And that's honestly the most important thing, because mm-hmm. uh, the wrestling aspect, yes, extremely important. Understanding how to keep yourself safe and your, and your dance partner safe in there. But if you can't get people in that crowd to uh, pay money to come and see you, because you're interesting, then wrestling's not gonna really work out. And so that's something that we really work hard on to make sure that people can relate to what we're doing and that they can grab onto it, something that little kids can, you know, impersonate with their friends, uh, you know, get Halloween costumes, anything that you can kind of make fun of is something that you can build on character-wise.
1: So that's really crazy, too, just because, like, so we've been talking about this in a lot of different interviews about how rigorous the training is in the physical aspect, and this is something that we know, but when you really, like, sit here and talk about it and, and the amount of time that we put into just getting the basics right, doing the roles and making sure that everything is done to a point where you can't get hurt, the grand scheme of things... That's not the most important thing, not even by a long shot. It is the character that is important, being able to identify with people, being able to relate to people, you know, being able to put on a show that has so many different entities that everybody who watches can have somebody to identify with, you know. So as rigorous as the physical aspect is, it's such a it's an important part but I feel like it's a very small part of what makes us successful. We have to be entertaining. We have to be able to draw people in and be interesting and then do it in a different way. We have so many people on the roster that have these personalities. So it's like, okay, well, I can't do that because this guy does this. This guy does that better than me. What can I bring to the table that is interesting, that is different, that is unique, that is going to be able to, you know, allow people to invest their time, their money, you know what I mean, their emotion into me. And that's where, uh, you know, that's what we try to find as performers. That's what everyone's trying to really do. So that, that's
3: the thing that I love about your sport is the sizzle factor, you know, you, bums on seats, I call it. Why, why are people going to watch you guys? So just the, the logistics of it, and you can see the boys on binge, um, they'll dominate, they'll blow binge up, these blokes. There's no doubt about that. This is where mm-hmm. you can see them. So when you're competing against your opposition, you're aware of what you're doing. Okay, this may be an ignorant question. What awareness do you have of what your opponent's going to do? So, so you've choreographed what you're doing, as you explained it, sure. and you've worked on that. Do you have any idea what your opponents are doing
2: or not? Yeah, The best mean, way to answer it is yeah. that it is a, a team improv show. Okay. So it's the last form of Shakespeare in the round. So Shakespearean theatre, huh. 360-degree audience and stage in the middle. Um, and when you compare it to things like like uh, TV or movies, so if there's a fight scene, they might record that 15, 20, 30 times, and then they're gonna take the best cuts of that, put it together, and that's what you see 10 months later after they've shot it. We do this 52 weeks a year, multiple times a week, we have one shot, and so what we have to pull from is what does the audience want? So in different regions of America, let's say in the South, they like a little bit of talking, they like, uh, we, we dance a lot. We shake our hips, so they like that a lot more. But up in the Northeast, they want uh, a little bit of a, more of a hard hitting type of wrestling. So- So you're tailoring it to your particular audiences. Yes, so wow. our, one, the most important thing we say in wrestling is know your audience. So if we go out and we have a show in, in Melbourne, if we went out tonight and we went out and did something and everybody sat on their hands, we immediately clicks in, oh, let's try something else. And you keep trying things until you feel a reaction. When they give you that energy, now you take that and you multiply it and you give it back because that's what they want to see, that's what they paid for, and now you're performing. So you have an idea of what you want to do, but you know that regardless of what I'm doing in the ring, I have to get those people to react. I have to get them to feel something, whether that's happiness, sadness, get them to laugh, get them to cry, whatever it is, and we figure that out when we're in the ring, because you can't do it Hmm. until you're doing it.
3: That is the end of The New Day, part A. Plenty more sizzle to come in part B.